Welcome to our first Christmas episode of Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host. Our subject is discernment, and our aim is to teach, to elevate your minds, and to exalt your courage, to accelerate and animate your industry and activity, and to excite in you an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. Our mission is to inspire young men and women, and their parents, to understand the present in order to prepare for the future, a task that necessarily demands a proper interpretation of the past. Our aim is to highlight the antithesis between the way of the Lord and the ways of the world, between the truth of Scripture and the opinions of men, so that we might reflect the light of life in a culture of death. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Unlike Elton John, who sang a song about a candle in the wind, we are accompanied today by a candle in the studio, actually right behind Winnie for fire protection, to uh, heighten the experience of our little fireside chat today. But a word of caution to our icebergs not to get too close to the flame, lest you begin to thaw. It's hard to keep from giggling here because uh, what our audience cannot see is that we're all decked out in Christmas apparel. Uh, to my left is Penelope, and she's wearing a she's wearing Christmas socks. She's wearing a Christmas hat. Uh, Winnie across the table is wearing a, another Christmas hat. And Roger, well, he looks like he's gained about 60 years. <laughs> Tell us what you're wearing, Roger. I'm wearing a Santa Claus hat with a beard. Hat comes with a beard. Mm -hmm. So at night when you take off your hat, the beard comes off. You don't have to shave. Santa Claus is also wearing his. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that one later. <laughs> um, and I'm wearing an elf hat. Somebody describe it for the listeners. It's green and red and has ears on the top of his head. <laughs> yeah, he has ears, but the, headphone, uh, the headphones aren't lining up with the ears. They're way yeah. up top. Also on this special day, it is our pleasure and honor to welcome back a special guest, an old friend, calling in remotely. You might recognize her voice, the voice of Katie. Katie, are you there? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me. Katie is one of our established icebergs, you might remember, who's putting the final touches on her first semester of college. Katie, how's it going? It's going great. I have really fun English classes, and I have a really fun music class that I'm in right now. Just getting ready for finals right now pretty stressful, but I'm managing everything pretty well. Yeah, I was just going to say before you said stressful, um, yeah. I, I never thought of that part of college as being fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you staying in good health, though? Because pulling all-nighters to study can be, uh, that can contribute to the ill health from stress. Yes, I'm, I've stayed in relatively good health. Thankfully, I get about at least six hours of sleep a night, usually. So, right. doing pretty well. Not bad. Well, good to have you on the program, and uh, we're going to—by the way, Katie, we've put a little Charlie Brown hat, so I, I distributed the hats for the show today, and we had one <laughs> extra for you, so I'm looking at Charlie Brown, and oh, you know, you know how Charlie you. Brown's shirt has that little zigzag? Mm -hmm. Well, the bottom of this hat, it's a Santa Claus hat, and it has a zigzag on it, so. <laughs> also, from our bag of tricks, or I should say my uh, briefcase of props, it wouldn't be Christmas without sleigh bells. Some sleigh bells? Yeah? Put you in the Christmas mood? Yeah. <laughs> little candle, little sleigh bells? Oh, yeah. All right. All right, a little advance warning. When we get to the offices of Hypothesis today, after our first break in today's special Christmas episode, we're going to ask our icebergs to give an account of their favorite Christmas traditions. So be thinking about that, my icebergs, in advance. But first, let me take this opportunity to speak to a current challenge in our culture by making an appeal to an old Christmas tradition 
familiar to everyone. By now, surely everyone in this studio and anyone listening beyond these walls has been confronted in one form or another by the self-proclaimed mob of experts. And I just used air quotes because if there was ever a place for air quotes, this is it. Experts who seek to limit, censor, or deny altogether any suggestions, thoughts, comments, ideas, assertions, statements, or positions on a given topic by anyone who is not deemed by them, of course, as an expert on a given topic. Well, since the beginning of 2020, this little technique, we might call it the coward's technique, has been deployed with terrific force and great violence against anyone who might question the official story about the coronavirus, its origins, its purpose, its goals, its dangers, its treatments, its cures, and the appropriate and acceptable responses to it. How many times, for example, have you and I been told that our assessment on any of these issues, that is, if our views question or impede the official story, are not relevant because we are not, and I'll use air quotes again, experts. You and I, it is said, could not possibly be trusted because we have not been certified by whomever it is they choose to certify their beliefs. And it is not sufficient for them to refute us. We must be silenced. Unless we can demonstrate our so-called expert credentials, you and I do not even deserve to be heard. We know why they do this, of course. You and I can discern the objective of those who plug their ears and close their eyes to any evidence contrary to their chosen narrative from one who is not a so-called expert in the matter. Thomas Jefferson once quipped that it is air alone that needs the support of government. Truth can stand by itself. Well, we might say that it is air alone that needs the support of the censors. And it is because the truth can stand by itself that those who do not tell the truth, which we would call liars, seek to disappear it, as if the truth can be banished by not talking about it or seeking to prevent others from knowing it exists. Well, in the spirit of Christmas, let me suggest a helpful and very simple response to all of this nonsense. And let me turn to my icebergs, the ones in the studio, and to Katie from college. For purposes of illustration, we're going to pretend for a moment that they have just deployed against me this coward's technique by telling me that my opinions about the proper treatment of and interpretation of what is really going on with COVID are not valid because I am not a doctor or a so-called health expert or a taxpayer-funded scientist, again with air quotes. Imagine that they have just asked of me, well, Mr. Kukaji, are you an expert? How would you respond? Oh, and we need, we need our new Christmas clock. Listen to this. <laughs> Excellent. How would you respond? Um, what makes them experts versus me? Well, that's easy to refute. They would just say, here's my MD mm-hmm. and here's my peer-reviewed papers. So that doesn't work. Maybe are you an expert on me? Like it's my it's my choice either way. Okay. We're getting close, right? That's that's edging toward an answer that I'm going to help you with. Let's see if Penelope can pick up the ball and run with it. Someone says you can't talk about this because you're not an expert in the subject matter. You can't talk about coronavirus because you're not a doctor and you're not a public health official who's spent 100 years quote-unquote, studying these matters. Well, it doesn't mean that we haven't done our own research and also we're allowed to, well, at least we used to, have free speech. 
Okay, so you're hitting on something that Winnie has hit upon, which I'm actually very pleased about. Let me let me tie what you're sensing and give you some vocabulary for it. I think you answer it with a question. It's always always a good technique to answer a question with another question. I would turn to my accusers and say, well, in the spirit of Christmas, do you believe in Santa Claus? In- Icebergs? Insert sleigh bills. <laughs> Roger, do you believe in Santa Claus? I don't. Winnie? Unfortunately, not anymore. Katie? Sadly, no. Penelope? Not anymore either. Even but, though he's in the studio with us today. But <laughs> but are you guys experts in Santa Claus? Do you have a doctorate degree in Santa Claus, legend or lie? Have you ever written any peer-reviewed articles about willful self-deception as it pertains to the Santa Claus myth? <laughs> no. Have you been certified? No. I wish. Have you been certified yeah. in Santa Claus analysis by any governing body? No. I didn't know there was such a thing. Yeah. Have you ever been to the North Pole? <laughs> Why did you I've say been to the South Pole. The North Pole. The North Pole. The North Pole. <laughs> ever seen flying reindeer? Nope. And if you've not seen them, how can you say they don't exist? Yeah, maybe we just haven't been looking in the right place. Okay, so if you are not an expert in Santa Claus, how can you be trusted to make your own judgment about his existence? In other words, why do your assessments about Santa Claus have any relevance if you are not peer-reviewed in the subject matter upon which you comment? Anyone? How do you respond when someone says, well, you don't have any expert credentials in Santa Claus. How in the world can you be trusted when you say you don't believe in Santa Claus? You can provide all the um, all the proof you want for why Santa Claus isn't real. Do you need proof? Or why does... I mean... Wouldn't you say something like it's common sense? My goodness, I'm using the brain God gave me. You could believe me, there's a big fat man that gets pulled around in a sleigh from the North Pole, delivers presents all over the world, covers how many people live in the world now? Seven billion or something like that. And he does it all in 24 hours and lands on your rooftop, puts presents down the chimney or jumps down the chimney himself. Oh, and by the way, he takes time to eat some cookies and give carrot to his rain, right? Mm-hmm. Well... If you as an ordinary person with no graduate degree or other relevant certification in Santa Claus can determine on your own, with reasonable certainty, whether or not Santa Claus is real, don't you think that I can discern whether or not that we have been told the truth about coronavirus? And this is especially true, by the way, if we have the mind of Christ. Romans 12, 2 teaches that if we are transformed by the renewing of our minds— so that we do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, the next time anyone asks you if you are a doctor or so-called healthcare expert, just give them the old Phineas and Ferb reply, which is, No, I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, why no? No, I'm not. When your accusers then go on to inquire why... They should listen to your assessment of COVID if you are not a doctor or a so-called health expert. Just tell them that you don't need to be a doctor or a healthcare expert to know when someone is lying to you. Mm. When we return, I'm going to invite the icebergs to discuss their favorite Christmas traditions. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. There are citizens in Tennessee working to reclaim the practice of self-governance in our state and ensure that a constitutional Republican form of government is preserved to future generations. 
We are Tennessee Stands. Do you want to get off the sidelines and learn how to stand for liberty in your community? Join us at TennesseeStands.org and on social media at Tennessee Stands. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologist, a weekly squidget devoted to the topic of discernment. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and I am your Christmas episode host. And so now let us, with a little Christmas jingle, enter the... Offices of Hypothesis. Our hypothesis today is not a hypothesis. No, ladies and gentlemen, in honor of our first Christmas episode, I'm going to mix it up a little by asking our icebergs to share with us their favorite Christmas traditions. Oh, I love those sleigh bells. <laughs> and um, let's do the clock one, too, as they think about their traditions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Does that help you, Katie? Remember a Christmas tradition? Oh, yes. Plenty of Christmas traditions have sprung to my mind. Let's let's start with you then, Katie. All right. Perfect. Um, let's see. One of my favorite Christmas traditions that my family does is my mom will always read a Christmas carol out loud to all of us. We'll read it chapter by chapter. So it takes a pretty long time, but we just break it up um, over the days. And we sit in our den, we turn on the fire, and we sometimes get hot chocolate, and we listen to it, and it's really fun. Something you said there was very funny. You what? said You said we turn on the fire. <laughs> oh, yeah, boy, it's a gas fire. <laughs> boy, traditionalists would laugh at us and say, oh, my goodness, turn on the fire. I've got to go I look know. for kindling, and I've got to strike wood against metal or metal against metal. Wood against wood, metal against metal. Clearly, this is yeah. coming from a man who turns on his fire himself. <laughs> I do not. If you were my children, you would know that for the last couple of years, I have not used a match uh, to start a fire, nor a nor a switch. We uh, we use a tradition in our house. It's be- it's become a tradition, maybe not a Christmas tradition, of um, starting fires without a match. So we use one of those little steel fire starters. We use um, Vaseline and cotton balls, and then we oh, put kindling on it. So you get a little spark, light the Vaseline, start the fire. Roger, did you ever do anything like that? Yes, I did. Success or not? Very successful. Mm-hmm. Penelope, you ever hear of something like that? Yeah, I've heard it. I think I tried it once, but I normally don't. <laughs> but actually, at my home, at my home, we also do have a remote fireplace. It's just kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to Penelope. Any Christmas traditions you'd like to share? Yeah, so one of my favorite um, Christmas traditions is me and my family play Christmas bingo for every week of Advent. So on the board, there's a bunch of different, like, Christmas-themed um, doodles, little cartoons and stuff. And then um, whoever gets bingo gets to dig into this green bag of little treats. And there's usually, like, Christmas candy or little um, toys, gifts. And then sometimes there are some gag gifts, though. Like, last week I got tuna fish. <laughs> so <laughs> tuna that was fish. Kind of annoying. <laughs> but, yes. but, yeah, that's fun. I and then that. we do every Advent. I did that one year with my family, and we put gag gifts in it as well. And I remember one year my son had to pull out a big triple D woman's bra, and he started crying because he won the gag gift. <laughs> Sad. Winnie, any Christmas traditions you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, well, every 
Um, Christmas night, usually, we go to my grandmother's house over the river, through the woods, and um, <laughs> we have a little nativity production, and all of the cousins pick their parts, they get their costumes from the costume box, and at the very end, we pass out candy as the three kings and sing We Three Kings and go caroling. Do you stand still or do you act out? No, we act it out and read some of the scripture too. We were talking earlier about when I when I grew up uh, in northwestern Pennsylvania, Titusville, we had the nativity, the live nativity every year. And I remember as a child going to look at it. It was it would usually be set up out front of our public high school, and they would pick members of the community that have live animals, and they'd have hay, and they they'd assemble a manger scene. But the objective for the adults who were playing the part of Mary, Joseph, the shepherd, the angel, were to stand as still as statues. And it was amazing because it would be very cold at Christmas time in Pennsylvania, and they would be standing there as still. And they look like wax. You ever go to a wax museum and you see the, the lookalikes of like Madame Tussauds Wax Museum? And um, so we as kids used to try to say, you know, I'm going to make you smile or make you giggle or laugh or get out of character. And we were not successful. And they would do it for hours at a time before they'd change shift and get someone else in there. So that was a tradition too. Okay, so we're going to add Roger if uh, he can talk through that fake beard he's wearing. Well, I've been talking through it all episode. So one of the Christmas traditions me and my family do is watch... Me and my family. Me and my family. My family and I. Bad English with an accent. My family and I. Uh, we watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas Eve Such before we go to movie. bed. It's, yeah, probably my favorite movie. Definitely my favorite Christmas movie and probably my favorite movie of all time. Right. Well, those are great. When we return, we will take a Christmas question or two from someone outside the studio. This is Jesus and the Meteorologists. So I wrote a little book all the way back in 2009 to address what was happening in America and what was likely to happen if we did not take corrective action. Unfortunately, too many of my predictions are coming true. The only surprise is the speed at which we have reached the precipice. The title of that little book is The Experts, and you can buy it on our webpage. Just go to JesusAndTheMeteorologist.com, click the image of the little brown book, and we'll send it to you for only $9.99. And then be sure to let me know what you think. Welcome back, and a very Merry Christmas from all of us here at Jesus and the Meteorologists. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and I am your host. As indicated before the break, and in a slight departure from our normal format, I'm accepting only Christmas questions today. And we've got one serious question and one not-so-serious question. So let's go with the not-serious one first, and then we'll tag the end with a serious question. In all transparency, this question actually came from Penelope, so I'll let her ask it of me. Mr. Kirkaji, what do you want for Christmas? <laughs> what do I want for Christmas? My children will tell you, if they were here, that I always say to my children the same thing my dad used to say to me, which is, all I want is my children to be good children. <laughs> I don't need any gifts from my children. I just need them to be well-behaved. I would like them to love the Lord. I'd like them to be serious about their faith, spend time in the scriptures first before anything else, be good, upstanding members of the community, do well in school, have a little fun, just stay out of trouble. All those things. You do those things, that's more, that's a better gift than any 
father could ask. Yeah, that's really, I, I just want my children to be pleasing to the Lord, which would please your parents. So if my children are listening to this episode, it's the same old gif. But last year, my children all got together, by the way, and got me Spotify Premium. So I've, I've enjoyed that for the entire year. And again, if they're listening, hint, hint, I'd love to have my Spotify Premium subscription renewed. Next, uh, the more serious question was, and it comes from one of our producers who I'll keep unnamed for his secrecy, why do we give gifts at Christmas time anyway? And, um, you know, I, I think we always, from a Christian perspective, we, we know why we give gifts, um, because God gave us the greatest gift uh, in giving us his son, Jesus Christ, who existed from the beginning of time, before time and space, Scripture tells us, right, that Jesus was there when God created the heavens and the earth. Um, and yet he came and entered uh, in the form of man, Scripture tells us, fully God and fully man, in time and space, that night in Bethlehem, and came as a baby, a baby who, from a human perspective, was completely dependent upon his parents, and yet he was God, uh, which is an incredible mystery, and uh, entered in a way different than everyone expected, right? They were expecting an earthly king that would come with force and perhaps violence and triumphant, and he came in the form of a baby, and yet he was fully God and fully man. And we know, of course, the reason he came was to die for our sins and to be resurrected for our salvation. So there is not a greater gift that we could ever be given. The tradition of gift giving then is in response to that. We know, like when you do the nativity, Winnie, the wise men brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? Mm -hmm. And all of the traditions of giving gifts stem from that the best gift of all, though, that we can give, of course, is to give ourselves to our Lord. There's only one Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. And even that we can't do in and of ourselves, right? Only, only God can prepare us and make us able to obey him. We're born into sin. Um, we are incapable on our own of doing good. That's, that's been that way since the fall of Adam and Eve. Scripture says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Um, and we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so the greatest gift that we can give uh, to others would be to proclaim the truth of the gospel, tell them the truth, uh, which is particularly hard today, right? When people will cancel you or disown you as a friend or uh, refuse to see you or talk to you or perhaps cause you to lose your job, and for some it even involves jail time and even the cost of their lives for telling the truth, and yet that is the greatest gift. It may not seem like a gift to some, the greatest gift that we can give to others. And so that's always why at Christmas time, when we give gifts, I, I would never shun anyone. I, obviously, there's an over-commercialization, there has been for my entire life in the gift-giving realm, and some people misunderstand what it's for, but as Christians, we have a unique calling uh, and we can explain why we give gifts to others, right? And as long as we keep that in mind, I think you should celebrate and enjoy the gift giving as much as you can. We've always had that in our home, and it's been a, a wonderful time, um, a blessed time, and I'm very, very thankful for it. Um, and also thankful for that question so that we can talk about um, the true meaning of Christmas. So that if there's a way to do a goal horn mixed with a jingle, is that possible? Yes! That is awesome. And that's what that question gets today. 
That's all the time we have today, ladies and gentlemen. A Merry Christmas to you from everyone here in the studio, including our icebergs and our producer, Rachel. In the never-ending battle for hearts and minds, we aim to find and develop young men and women who, like the men of Issachar, understand the times and who know what to do. And how can we know what we're to do unless we believe what is true? My name is Kevin Cookagee, and you've been listening to a very special Christmas episode of Jesus and the Meteorologists. Merry Merry Christmas! Christmas.